Amen. You can be seated this morning. This summer, we've been spending time exploring together what it is that God calls us to do, each of us individually and all of us together. The word for this is vocation, from the Latin word vocari, which literally means to call. Vocation, God calls us to live our lives on purpose for the common good. So far, we've talked about listening to our longings being open, naming and living into our values, experiencing God's presence in everyday life, the holy art of paying attention. Last week, we talked about reframing our regrets. This week, I'd like to talk a little bit about discernment itself, the posture of it, the process of it, and the practice of it. Before we do that, Let's allow just a few short verses from the Christian scriptures to inform our thoughts. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christian community in Rome, which was a mix of people who were formerly Jewish and formerly not Jewish. And the book of Romans is a long, sustained theological argument trying to explain how there's one gospel for all of humanity, even though we all come from very different backgrounds. Romans is not a systematic theology. It's not a summary of all of Paul's theology, and we know that because there's nothing about the Lord's Supper in it, which is very important to Paul, and there's very, very little about the church, which is also very important to Paul. So the first 11 chapters, he lays out the theology of what he believes Jesus Christ came to do for everyone. And then in chapter 12, he begins to explain what the theology means for our practical lives and our relationships. It's the so what. What now? And that's where we're going to pick up Romans chapter 12. We're going to read just verses 1 and 2 this morning. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So my dear family, this is my appeal to you by the mercies of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Worship like this brings your mind into line with God's. What's more, do not let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by this present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can discern what God's will is, what is good well-pleasing, and mature. It's just two short verses. I'm going to read it all again. So, my dear family, this is my appeal to you by the mercies of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Worship like this brings your mind into line with God's mind. What's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by this present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can discern what God's will is, what is good and well-pleasing and mature. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. In this season, as we've considered values, openness, the voices that call to us, attentiveness, regrets, and experiences of God's presence, all of those come into play as we discern the will of God for each of us and for all of us. And I have to admit to you, 
that as I was working on this sermon, and even as I was meditating on these verses, which I really love and memorized many years ago, I kept having um, just this kind of icky feeling, like sort of heavy, like obligation. And I finally realized that concepts like discerning God's will trigger my fear of getting it wrong. So ironic, considering the fact that last week we talked about reframing our regrets and that often the only way to grow is to get it wrong. I know that. And nonetheless, maybe because of some of my religious experiences in the past, it feels like there's a lot at stake in discerning God's will and that getting it wrong would be bad. I think that's what's happening for me. So if that's happening for you too, you're in good company. And I hope that by the time we end worship this morning, you will feel a little differently. Because I don't think that we are served well by being afraid of getting it wrong when it comes to discerning God's will. I don't think that God wants us to be all clenchy about discerning God's will. And so I think there's a few ideas that might help. First of all, Discerning God's will is not a one-and-done situation. There may be specific instances when we need to discern God's will for something, but it's not just one time and then we've got it figured out for our whole life. Discerning God's will is an ongoing spiritual practice, literally something we can do every day. And secondly, the only way to get better at discerning God's will is to get it wrong sometimes. Really. Unfortunately. But really. So when it comes to discerning God's will, let's think about three things this morning. The posture, the process, and the practice. And then we'll reflect just a little bit more on that scripture. First, the posture. If discerning God's will is an ongoing spiritual activity for us, we will best be able to do it by having an ongoing posture of openness and attentiveness. We've talked about both of those concepts in past weeks. If we go through our days intentionally open instead of closed, we will be better able to discern God's will. It could be openness to people, to situations, to ideas that are different from what we currently think. If we are quick to shut things down, if we're quick to say no, if we're quick to ignore people we don't already know, that's more of a closed posture. And if we go through our days doing our best to pay attention, to notice what we notice, instead of distracting ourselves from our actual experiences, we will be better able to discern God's will. Whether that is something new, whether God's will is something new to us, or maybe it's a renewed commitment to something that's already in place, if we keep a posture of openness and attentiveness, we will be better able to discern what God's will is. It's the posture of discernment, openness and attentiveness. So let's say we have that posture that we're open and we're paying attention and we notice something that sparks us. Perhaps the spirit whispers to us, this is an opportunity for you. Or we think maybe the spirit is whispering to us, this is an opportunity for you. What is the process? 
one way is three things that we've talked about. One, how does this opportunity align with my values? Which means we have to know what our values are. Two, which voices are calling to me in this opportunity and are they trustworthy voices? And then three, what do my regrets tell me about this opportunity? The process of discernment is to consider our values, the calling of trustworthy voices, and what we've learned from our regrets. That's the process. So the posture is to be open and attentive. The process is to consider how this opportunity aligns with our values, whether the voices that are calling us to this opportunity are trustworthy, and what we know about this from our regrets, from ways we've not gotten it right in the past. And then finally, the practice of discernment. This is the kicker. Because once you think you might know whether this opportunity is something God actually wants you to do, the only way to know that is to do it. And then to reflect on your experience of God's presence. Which means that you might be wrong. It could be that you do all of that work and you try something and later on you say, oh, it seems that perhaps was not God's will after all. And that's okay. Or you could do the thing and it could go wrong. And it could still have been God's will. And that's okay. And what's more, I can't tell you what kind of experience of God's presence would confirm whether or not it was God's will for you. That is unique to you. Maybe you don't feel anything. That actually doesn't mean it wasn't God's will. You see how there can be a lot of tension that builds up in this idea, discerning God's will, makes you clenchy, a little bit nervous, obligation. Doesn't help us. That sense of clenchiness doesn't help us. And the reason we feel so clenchy at the end right there is because I can't give you a step-by-step -step process for that. Because my dear ones, the real invitation of the life of faith is for us to grow up. There is not a one-size-fits-all, 10-step solution to living a wonderfully fulfilling life and always feeling confident that you're in line with God's will. I can tell you some things to do. In fact, if you are new in your faith or you're not feeling confident, I am happy to share with you some scriptures that you can study and memorize and some prayers that you can pray every day and some other practices to try. That is good. We all start somewhere. But I cannot tell you what it is that God wants you to do with your life. And I cannot answer all your questions about the Bible. And I cannot explain why something bad happened to you. Some Christian leaders will do those things. But I think that's a disservice to you. Because it keeps you dependent on someone else for the answers. It keeps you in a childish faith. And I, that's not healthy for us.
And that's why I love Romans 12, 1 and 2. If we offer our whole selves to God to bring our mind into line with God's mind, and if you do that, it doesn't mean it'll be in line with my mind, even if my mind is also in line with God's mind. Do not be squeezed into the shape dictated by this current age, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can discern what God's will is, what is good and well-pleasing and mature. God's will for your life is good for you and for others. It is well-pleasing to God and it is well-pleasing to you, even though it will certainly be hard sometimes. And it is mature. It is complete. God woos us. God invites us to be transformed by renewal instead of conforming to the status quo. The values of this current age are very different from the values of the kingdom of God. So if an opportunity comes to you, and it's one that simply feels good regardless of the cost, or if it's just convenient, or if it provides immediate gratification, or, listen carefully please my dear ones, if it doesn't challenge any of your biases, beware. I'm not saying it's not God's will for you, because I don't know. But I am saying that an opportunity which perfectly aligns with the values of this current age is not going to provide much opportunity for spiritual growth. So just beware. God's will for our lives is good, not usually super easy. Because we don't grow when it's easy. We grow through challenge. We can step into these vocations that God has for us by living with a posture of discernment, openness, and attentiveness. By following the process of discernment. Thinking about if whether it's in line with our values, what are the voices that are calling to us, what our regrets tell us, and engaging in the practice of discernment. Discernment is an experience of spiritual growth. It's a process. It's a transformation that comes with the renewing of our minds as we resist the pressure to conform to the world around us and instead to pursue the good and pleasing and mature opportunities that God sets before us for our good and for the good of the world. This kind of spiritual growth also comes with real experiences of God's love for us and God's presence with us. And both of those we experience when we come to the communion table. Because here in this ordinary bread, in this ordinary cup, we affirm the extraordinary grace that God has lavishly pouring out on all of us all the time. God takes what is ordinary and brings extraordinary blessings through it. We are transformed as we experience being ordinary people, fully loved and accepted by God, and then sent out into the world, filled with the power of the resurrected Christ to do extraordinary acts of goodness. And so we insist, as have our ancestors before us, that this is the joyful feast of the people of God, where people of all ages, races, and sexes, people in every type of body, come from the north and the south and the east and the west, and gather at this table with the risen Christ, 
who's the host at all our tables. Here at Zion